Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Hello and welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. And this episode, Kevin, is a bit of a Barry Crocker. We haven't done it yet. Uh, some, of, some of them are, well, no, but I'm no, not sure this one is It's yet. a wonderful, one of the best known Aussie slang terms, I think, going around. One which a very close friend of mine uses on a daily basis, and it's very appropriate for us today. Well, don't do it now because he's on the show. We can't, <laughs> oh. we can't say the show's a Barry Crocker when you've got Barry Crocker on it. Oh, my uh, gosh. He's uh, put out a book, uh, Kevin, and it, it is the most honest, candid account of his uh, life. I mean, 60 plus years in, in Australian entertainment and show business. He's a favourite. The book is called Last of the Entertainers. He'll explain why he called it that. He's going to talk about uh, the passing of Barry Humphreys, his, mm. his great mate. Uh, talks about uh, the Neighbours theme song. Uh, talks about, uh, you know, we actually do talk to him about food. Yes. Um, <laughs> we managed to squeeze that in there somewhere. Uh, it's a fascinating chat with Barry. He is uh, as erudite and as mm. sharp as a tack and, uh, and is a really, really, he still he is, he's an entertainer. And he's a terrific, to to. a terrific sense of humour and he will answer any question you ask on Honestly, and with a, with great uh, fervour. Yep, he certainly will. Uh, some really good insights coming up very, very soon, including his acting debut on Skippy, which is hysterical, <laughs> yes. to tell you the truth. Now, uh, the food poll this week. Yes, look, it is. Um, it's we'll still preface, going off. I will preface this by saying it is in honour of our producer extraordinaire, Steve Fisher, who's not been very well. No. He's been in the wars and we're wishing him a very speedy recovery. But to cut a long story short, Steve pretty much hates Brussels sprouts. He's made that known. So we thought we'd make our Friday food poll topic this week, the humble Brussels sprout. And you're right, Kevin, it's gone off like a frog in a sock. It is still going off. It is louder than <laughs> kiss at the MCG for grand final day and more fireworks ensured between some of the participants. Mm. So uh, we'll find out. But Brussels sprouts, <laughs> it's, it's an easy one. It's, a, you know, it's the old referendum one. It's yes or no. It's simple. So we'll get to that very shortly. But right now, uh, to talk about his book, Last of the Entertainers, his career and a whole lot of other stuff, including being in the kitchen, ladies and gentlemen, Barry Crocker. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Hello. Hello, Barry. It's Kevin Hillier and Sarah Patterson. Hello. Hi. Hi, Kevin, Sarah. How are you today? Very Very well. well. Thank you. All the the better for speaking to you. (laughs) You're a sweet talker, Kev. There's no doubt about that. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for giving us some time. We We are recording now, if that's okay. Push the red button. Yes, All right. I've done that. There we go. Barry, I imagine you've been asked many things in your life, but I'm not sure, have you ever been asked how you shape up in the kitchen? <laughs> Straight into it. Are you, <laughs> you know my expert uh, opinions of cooking and, you know, my, my, my prestige in the world of cooking. Uh, you know, it's, I'm very well known in cooking. So uh, you've, you've asked the right questions. You can ask me anything on any subject regarding cooking and I shall be able to answer it. All right, Barry, where is the kitchen? <laughs> well, the last time I, I, I got through all the dirty dishes and everything, I, I found it. I, I found it. It's a... <laughs> The dishwasher broken down, and yeah, but but no, I'm the kitchen is is not far from me as I speak actually because it's about I could throw a stone and probably miss it, but you know it's a, yeah I'm, I'm here and then the, the kitchen is not far away and I, I intend to go there very shortly and uh, make something nice. Oh, how do you rate yourself as a cook, uh, Barry? And do you have a, a signature oh. dish? Oh my goodness, you know I mean 
people have come from all over the world to taste my my delicious <laughs> <laughs> meals. Yeah, but basically, I, I'm the chef that, uh, that that is supplied by Woolworth, which helps me tremendously. I mean, for my really only part where I differ, I suppose, is, is uh, when I'm doing a spaghetti bolognese, which is one of my specialties, I grow my own pota- uh, uh, tomatoes out on the, I just potatoes, I grow those too. <laughs> in, in my garden on the balcony, uh, you, would you believe that? Yeah. Yes, yeah. for sure. Well, you're, very, you're very foolish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get my, uh, my Italian diced tomatoes out of a can from Woolies, um, uh, but they're delicious, and so I add them to uh, to the other ingredients, and I, I, I have a wonderful time sort of, uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm not actually a, a foodie in that sense that some people, you know, they adore their, their cooking and they adore their recipes and stuff like that. You know, you can feed me anything and I'm quite happy, really. A Geelong boy, uh, Barry, going back back to the, the beginning. I mean, six wonderful uh, decades in Australian show business. You're you're held very dearly in the hearts of, of, of Australian audiences, and I and I do love as you've 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 talked about in the, in the book, which is now out. Um, about when you first got had the spotlight shine on you, uh, I think it was a Christmas special back when you were a young lad, and that that initial feeling that. This is this is where I want to be. This is the place for me. Yeah, well, it, it, uh, you know, I had no idea that uh, as a young person, you know, that in my first fourteen years or fifteen years, that I'd have anything to do with show business. I used to go to the the movies when I was a kid. I used to go to a place called the Astor Flea House. It wasn't far from my house in Geelong, and uh, you know, it had broken seats and a dirt floor. I remember, but I absolutely loved the dead end kids and Flash Gordon and all those sort of serials that would come on, and I'd go there every Saturday afternoon. And uh, so that was my first love of movies and stuff like that. Never thinking for one second that I could join the Dead End Kids or anything like that. But, um, you know, as time went by, I became a professional cyclist and fell off a few times, so I've stopped doing that. But I actually fell in love with a girl that I had met very briefly, and I, I just knew in my heart that I, I wanted to, 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 to see more of her, you know, and uh, I found out that she belonged to something called the Geelong Musical Comedy Society or, or company, you know, which was a, an amateur theatrical company that put on about three productions a year. And, uh, you know, so I, I thought, oh, I, I don't know what this is, but I'm just to breathe the same air as she, you know, I, I, I knocked on the door and said, can I audition? And they said, yes. And they said, uh, what are you seeing? And I said, I, I, I don't, and everything that I knew, the pianist didn't know. She said, do you know anything from the chocolate soldier? And I said, what? <laughs> and I, I, actually, I actually sang God Save the King. That was for the other one, the, the first king that I knew. And uh, they said, yes, you can go into the chorus. And I said, what's the chorus? And they said, you'll find out. So what happened then that I went into the chorus and graduated to a small part and a slightly bigger one. And over the three years, I finished up playing the lead in the, in the roles. But what what had happened, as soon as the grease, the grease paint uh, hit my face, I, I realized that uh, I'd been chosen. You know, this is where I wanted to be for the rest of my life, singing and dancing and, and making a fool of myself. So it, it all started out quite innocently. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it, it developed from that, actually. 
Did you always um, have the voice, Barry? Did it was the, 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 well, the beautiful, big, rich voice of yours? Well, they said they they said that I did. I remember that when I was selling papers when I was about eight years old in the, in the streets of Geelong because I I came from working class people who nothing was short. You talk about the food again. It was like we'd have a roast at the weekend, and then for the rest of the the week, my mum used to make wonderful dishes out of the what was left of the of the Sunday roast. We <laughs> roast lamb. No, we'd have roast fritters, roast everything, and. It, you know, it was like very poor. Anyway, uh, so I, when I was uh, selling papers on the streets, they said that I was the best. I had the best call in Geelong. You know, so yeah, selling the heralds. You know, and I used to be, be able to do the Tarzan call from the movies. You know, and uh, so that was the start of it. And then I, I went along to the Three GL, which was the radio station there, and uh, I sang for Dixie cups of ice cream on Happy. Hammond's show, you know, just 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 go along with some mates and get some free ice cream, and uh, I from that I developed. They said you're a first voice soprano, you can sit in the front row, so I did, and I got two Dixie cups of ice cream. So there was a, a, a theme going through it, but never believing that it would have anything to do with show business. <laughs> Sounds all very serendipitous, to be honest. That Your entire yeah. showbiz career is built on girl on on chasing girls and ice cream. <laughs> Not a great yeah, start, base. I mean, that's pretty. Uh, I think that's a very good analogy, <laughs> <laughs> Barry. Um, I mean, we know you so well for the uh, the seventies move, for the adve- adventures of Barry McKenzie. But I believe your acting debut on screen was uh, in Skippy. Is that right? Yeah, well, Skippy was uh, 1967. That was, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I played, uh, I played a terribly, terribly wonderful English magician who would then, of course, <laughs> grab Skippy and put him in his show. But of course, that, that upset Little Sonny, and uh, you know, so that was the episode. And we were chased by emus and wombats and all sorts of stuff, and it, it was, and it was a, a great joy. I mean, I'd I'd had the acting experience with the job. Geelong, Geelong Musical Comedy Company, of course, and and by then I'd uh, started on, uh, I'd been doing uh, 66 and all that on Channel 10, and then the Barry Crocker show. But yeah, that was the first time I'd uh, I'd actually been filmed as a as an actor, and it was great fun. You know, it was it was was wonderful fun. You had a very um, obviously um, dear friend in in Barry Humphreys, one of many people you met along the way, and um, I read recently. When you first heard of, of Barry's uh, passing, you said at the time that it felt like somebody had um, had punched you in the in the chest. Now, several months have passed since then, and I may I ask how 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 you're feeling now? Well, you know, I still think of Barry, and uh, you, you know, it, it, it's one of those things. He was a, a mate for many many years, and we made a couple of very successful movies together, and we we appeared together in 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 cabaret and stuff like that. But I, I the, the, the the weird thing about that whole situation was that Barry and I would always joke with each other along the way and he'd usually win the argument because he had this genius mind but um, on the day of his death uh, you know all of the messages coming out of the St Vincent's Hospital here in Sydney were that he was doing fine you know and he was cracking jokes with the nurses and I was interviewed on Channel 7 News 
that night, and and uh, so I I thought I'll send him a little cheerio, and <laughs> so I I in the interview I said, oh Barry, I said here's something that will cheer you up. They're going to re-release the Adventures of Barry Mackenzie. Can you imagine that? Ninety minutes of Mackenzie mayhem. Oh, and they're also going to release the woke version that runs for 18 minutes and three seconds. <laughs> and I, I thought, he'll laugh at that. And then two hours later, I got a call from my stepson, and he said, Barry just died. I said, what? No, I just, I just sent him a message. You know? And, and uh, it, it really did. It it. it so it was like the bottom dropped out of my world for a, for a moment. I couldn't. I couldn't. I, I had. You know, I had to go to the to to, to the computer and check it all out. And sure enough, that was all right. And you know, I had three days of very deep depression. And of course, it, it, it didn't help because everyone wanted to know what I thought because we were partners and all that sort of stuff. And every time I get a call, I'd have to talk about it. It sort of drove me further into the into the abyss, I suppose. You know, so but uh, you know, I'm okay. And I'm just I was I'm just so sorry that I would never associate with him again and and uh, suffer his wit and. Uh, and, and, and you know, be able to see the things. I mean, what would he do with the situation of the world today would be amazing, you know, how he get a laugh out of that. Yeah. But an example of, of, of Barry and our wit and so forth, you know, we bumped into each other at Circular Quay here in Sydney and one day and uh, he said, how are you, Barry? I said, I'm fine. How are you? I'm, I'm doing What are you doing? So doing doing this. He said, uh, he said, I noticed you're growing a beard. He said, I said, yeah. I said, I've got a part in a play, and it it, it, it needs a beard, you know. And uh, uh, anyway, I said to him, anyway, I've always felt that someone with a beard looked more intelligent. <laughs> and he paused for a moment, then he looked at me, and he said, grow yours longer. <laughs> uh... This is your second memoir. Was there, and I, I, I know there's a lovely bit in the book where you talk about the doctors doing an x-ray and saying, yeah, no, there's another book in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the radiologist there. So, well, it, you know, the, the first book finished in the, 19s, in the 70s, early 70s and everything, you know, right. and and uh, so time went by and, of course, uh, you know, the ego in one says, uh, you should, people don't know what you've been doing, you should write another book. So it started about 12 years ago. And, uh, so I started writing it, you know, and uh, th- then suddenly uh, I, we had a, I've had a third of the book, I suppose, finished, and the premises where it was being assembled were they were broken into, and all the computers were stolen. Ah, oh, you know, and that. What are we going to do? All all our words, all our work is gone, you know. So we had to reconstruct the whole thing, and that threw me into a deep depression, you know, trying to retrieve bits out of here, bits that I'd saved, bits that someone else had saved, and, you know, I managed to get it all back together again. But, you know, I, then I, I, I hit a stumbling block because I, I had I, – the views had sort of left me. I, I wasn't writing. I couldn't get things happening, you know. So then that went on for some time, and then – Eventually, a couple of other things came in by writing little bits and pieces. And when COVID hit, of course, I said, I've got to finish this bloody book. You know, so I knuckled myself down and uh, brought it right up to uh, to 2023. And uh, so that's, I think that's probably the last one I do, unless I last into the 90s or something. Then I shall, I shall get some, I 
She'll get a scribe who'll type for me or something like that. What I love, Barry, what I love, Barry, is that, I mean, if you're going to do a project like this, you know, I mean, you have to be candid and honest, and you've certainly been, uh, uh, you know, very, very honest in in your account. And uh, I just wondered, was there, were there uh, parts or a part of the book was that was the hardest part to write for you? Yes, of course. Well, you know, I I think to to be honest for the reader, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's I, I, it's unfair if you just put all the good bits in there, all the successes and the, the things that you've done and everything, because they don't they must think, well, you know, he must be special or something. But I'm not. I'm just another human being, and you know, I've had lots of disappointments and and failures, of course, along the way, and you know, I failed. Uh, in my uh, relationship with my lovely wife, who passed earlier this year, uh, you know, I in the in those mad, crazy days of when you're really making uh, lots of noise and making movies and doing television and traveling across the world and everything. Uh, Dorian or Dean, as we always called her, uh, decided she's had enough of them carrying five kids around the world in different places, and she just wanted to settle. And, uh, you know, I, I, naivety, I think, is the, the right word to use because I, I just went out into the world sort of like as a free man traveling by myself. And, and I, I fell in love with a, a young lady. Uh, but no, so I was in love with two women at the same time, and I had no idea how I could resolve that. But I thought I could get away with it because that's, as I said, naivety is a, is a wonderful tool to have, but it all collapsed, of course, as it was meant to do, and I've lost both ladies at the same time. So I think if you're going to write the book, you've got to say, yes, I failed, and, uh, you know, uh, and you have regrets. You know, I, I regret that I wasn't a better father being there all the time, but, you know, I was, I was trying to make a better life than I'd had as a kid for my kids and their kids and their kids, you know, because I've got my family now, I'm, I'm, I'm 87, I've got five children, none who are under the age of 60. <laughs> I've got eight eight grandchildren and 14 great-grandchildren and two more on the way. So, you know, I, I think it was only fair that they should know that the, the silly old bugger was, wasn't everything that uh, other people thought he was cracked up to be. Is there a moment, is there, is there something that you, that you cherish more than, more than others in your career? Well, there are lots of highlights. The football season, of course, the first, as I'm talking to you, springs to mind because um, in 1977, Gough Whitlam was in power and he'd accepted the new national anthem for Australia. And the word, I was working in Las Vegas at the time at the MGM Grand, and um, the word came through that he wanted me to sing the new national anthem for the first time on television at the 1977 Grand Final between Collingwood and North Melbourne. And of course, I, uh, the very graciously, the MGM gave me the weekend off and I flew home to Australia. And so I was the, the first person ever to have seen the national anthem at uh, a, a, an AFL grand final, of course. 
And, you know, to run out onto the field that day and 108,000 people you know, cheering, get off! You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, was, it, was, it was a magic moment and I felt, you know, the, the adrenaline was pumping and whew, I, I thought, if they want someone to play for one of the teams, I'll do it, I'll do it, you know. Of course, then I was sitting in the grandstand and saw the first crash and uh, I thought, oh, no, I don't think I will because if I'd gone out there, I would have, uh, they would have carried me home in a bucket, I think. It is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, that's a great one. And, and I, I was the first person to uh, have his uh, show uh, televised from the Opera House here in Sydney in 1973. That was before the Queen opened it. So that that was a, a highlight, you know. It's, uh, those, there are so many of those firsts that I they, they used to. I think they used me as a crash check, crash sex dummy. <laughs> they'd, they'd, they'd send me out, you know, to test. If, uh, I I remember at, at the Opera House when we had that show. Um, we we hit a terrible hurdle because all it had was an invited audience. The, the sound system was absolutely shocking. There's a real Barry Crocker. I mean, <laughs> they, they they'd they'd spent six million dollars on it, and what it can, it was the sculptures were into the ceiling with six inch speakers, uh, graciously and beautifully embedded in them, and and when they turned it all on, of course I, you couldn't hear it. We couldn't hear the one stage. You couldn't hear it. So I had to 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 uh, I had the job of, of telling them we can't do a show. If the people can't hear us, and the, and and uh, I and the performers can't hear us, you know, and so we had this terrible argument. We finished up getting uh, these giant speakers from Sands, uh, and they were coloured in pink, of course, which ruined the whole atmosphere of the the, the sandalwood <laughs> interior of the opera house. But we did the show, so you know, it, uh, I I was the one that had to be the bad guy and say we can't do the show unless we put speakers in there that the people are going to hear and we're going to hear. So can't you just do it and we'll, we'll fix it later? I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, That was a, a hard one to win. Yeah. Barry, I noticed just then uh, you slipped in that wonderful piece of Aussie slang, the Barry Crocker. When did you first become aware that your own name had had become an Australian slang well, term? <laughs> well, yeah, well, with all these all these things, you, 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 someone calls you up and said, do you, do you know, did you hear, or, you know, and that's what happened with that. And, you know, someone said, I heard, uh, called me up and said, I heard your name last. I said, what, where? Now, Fatty Vorton on the footy show, he Said that he uh, he said he's out of Barry Crocker, a real shocker, <laughs> you know, and and it's got it stuck, you know. Everyone jumped on the bandwagon, and for several years, it was a, a phrase that a lot of people used, you know. If they had if they tripped over or something, oh, that a Barry Crocker fell down the street today, you know, uh, or I've had a Barry, you know, which, which came a, a catchphrase, and it, it even went into the Macquarie Dictionary <laughs> as rhyming slang. So it it, it became quite famous. It's not used so much now, but occasionally I meet someone that will use it and say, oh, I had a Barry today, you know. <laughs> and, you know, it, they'll say it, it was an affectionate way of sort of uh, using your name, and I didn't mind it at all. <laughs> One of my dearest friends uses it on a daily basis, and I love it. Um, Barry, it would be remiss of me, and I know you've talked so much about this subject, but it would be remiss, remiss of us not to ask you about the... Um, the Neighbours uh, theme song and, and how that came to pass. I, I understand it, it was quite a simple and easy uh, exercise. It was. I was sitting at home watching television one Saturday night and uh, 
uh, Tony Hatch and Jackie Trent, who were living in Australia then, Tony called me up. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just watching telly. He said, well, Reg Grundy, the organization have put out a, a, a little edit that they want to have a, a, a theme written. So all the songwriters out there come up with a theme for a, a show, a, a soap, you know. Uh, it's called Neighbours. And uh, so he said, Tony said, oh, well, I've written the song. He said, do you want to come across and sing it? And I said, oh, sure. So yeah, we were only 10, 15 minutes away, so I went across there. And uh, we played the song. It was a lovely, nice little melody, easy to learn. I had the lyrics in front of me. And so put it down, set it down, in, and uh, he packaged it up and uh, sent it to Reg Grundy. Monday morning, Reg had opened it and uh, played it. And the, uh, Tony got the call, and he said, Reg, it is Reg, I love it, I love it. He said, you won the competition. He said, I, I don't want to go anywhere, don't want to hear anything, I just love it. You know, and Tony said, well, oh, well, that's fantastic, thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll get together now with Barry and we'll put down a proper version. He said, no, 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 don't change it. I love it just the way it is. <laughs> so it was a, a demo that uh, that lasted for a long, long time. And so it you know, and I had royalties for seven years, and I, when Grundy's was taken over, the, the people there who took it over said, why are we paying Crockett royalties? You know, we can get a session singer in and redo it for 50 bucks. <laughs> and that's what happened. But it was, uh, it was wonderful. And, of course, you know, it's, it's, when, I, when I toured in, in Britain, uh, what, in the, in the 90s somewhere, then I decided to go over and have a little bash around the club, see what it was like. It wasn't, wasn't any better than I remembered it from the 70s. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, people would come up, to, they loved it, and I was, my, my billing was, top billing was, the man who sings the neighbor's theme. Uh. You know, and, and I remember the first first time we did it, you know, the crowd went nuts and I had to sing it twice. Uh, you know, so it had a great impact, and I think it was the English Supporters of her neighbours that that got it back on. I think they, they decided that my my version was the best one, and so they would uh, they would make sure that it went to number one, which it did. And uh, you know, then, then Amazon came along and said, "Well, a lot of people love this. Uh, we'll we'll reintroduce. We'll, we'll give you the money and go back and do it again." You know, so uh, neighbours, I think, was uh, was partly due to that theme. Yeah. Hey Barry, last of the the last of the entertainers is the book. It chronicles um, the uh, the the rest of the sixty years that you've had in the entertainment industry and many more to come. We hope, even though I know you're retired <laughs> these days, you're still a bloody entertaining human being. Well, I, just for, for people, why did you call it the last of the entertainers? In those healthy and wonderful days of early television, the 60s, 70s, 80s, into the 90s, you know, I had a lot of mates in, in the business. We all had our own television shows. We'd guest on each other's shows. and We'd work in cabaret or theatre, and uh, that, that was the all-round entertainers of Australia. <laughs> and, you know, the people like you know, Graham Kennedy, Stuart Wagstaff, Ernie Sigley, Jimmy Hannon, uh, Don Lane, of course, and Bert. And suddenly, all of a sudden, in this last little while, they've all disappeared. You know, and I, I had no one to tell lies to or joke with. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of left standing, the last man standing. And so, you know, uh, that's why I decided to call it the last of the entertainers from that halcyon days when it was uh, we were all learning television. Yeah. 
No, lovely memories. Thank you for sharing them with uh, with us through the book and uh, and through uh, the Food Bites program. We really appreciate your time, Barry. Thanks so much. Thank you, Sarah, and, and, and you've been wonderful. Thanks, and uh, yeah, I'll, always a pleasure to speak to you. And now I'm now I'm going into the kitchen and try and clear it up and make another spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Good luck with that, and in, maybe indulge in a in a guilty pleasure, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, steak on Sundays, that's me. <laughs> Good on you, Barry. Thanks for Thanks, your time. Barry. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. See, it wasn't a Barry Crocker after no, all. No. But he did actually... Far from it. <laughs> First of all, that's very funny when you hear him refer yeah. to something as, <laughs> as being a Barry Crocker. Or How odd must it be when it's your own name and it's about you? Yes. It's weird. Yeah. Very Great weird. man. Thanks, Barry. Yeah, no. Terrific book. Uh, check it out. Called Last of the Entertainers, his second memoir. Let's hope he does get to write a third now, one. Let's dive straight into the food pole and straight into all the right, bowl of on. Brussels sprouts, no, Kevin. I know no, you no. won't be diving no, in because you I, hate the things. I will not. I can't stand them. I absolutely love them, but you have to have them with something and done in a particular way, well, whether that means olive oil, salt, pepper, bacon, whatever. Can I but just we'll, say, yeah. of all the things we've done in the 200-plus mm. episodes, nearly 300 episodes of this and the food polls we've done over the thing, I've never seen so uh-huh. many suggestions of different ways to do them and really weird ways. It's a recipe book in itself, yeah, isn't it? it? Is. Lisa will start us off and she says she loves them with heaps of gravy. Oh. Otherwise, no. Okay, <laughs> Patricia says she loves them. Stephen Quartermain, he says, Says yes with lashings of bacon and olive oil. Old Crokey says yes, sir. Oh, halved, smeared with miso and oven baked. Oh, got a bit of a Japanese twist there. Great. <laughs> Carly Bonavia says yay. Converted by oven roasted seasoned sprouts, added to oh yum, a creamy fettuccine alfredo. That sounds delicious. Christopher Gates says all day every day. I oh. love them. Craig Gabriel chimes in. Good grief. He says it is a big yay from him, sliced in half, tossed with olive oil, salt and pepper and cooked on a griddle. Mm, Get those lovely um, griddle marks on them. Yep. Uh, Trish Egan says, uh, and with a touch of grated nutmeg. Oh, 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 Brad Spicer says yes with bacon and onion. Now, Rebecca Ann Kane, this is very funny. Yes. She says, "Uh uh-uh. Not even if I was starving to death. And Rebecca, as we know, is a, is a vegan. Yeah, and, and then we have the Rebecca Ann Kane oh, update, oh. update, update, update. Funnily oh. enough, funnily enough, I went out to lunch yesterday and these Brussels sprouts were in my stir fry oh. and they were really quite delicious. So maybe it's how they're cooked. Yeah, I think she's onto something there. So she's <laughs> converted in the there space of a day. Joylene says it's a nay for me. My son loves them though. Die Roll says they're my favourite. Artie Stevens in caps, never ever, but my wife loves them. Kerry Rodder says, I love them. Yay. Glenn Driscoll says, I love them. I pan fry them in a little sesame oil and water and they are delicious. I can't believe the, uh, the extent <laughs> yeah, people go to for it? Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Muriel Cooper says, look, it depends how they are and how they're cooked or how old they are and how they're cooked. They can be delicious. Yes. A bit like potatoes. You don't want them too old or they get yeah. the green sprouts coming out. Uh, sorry, I digress. Andy says no. Tony Bennett says, along with the traditional Christmas Pud, these are the smells of Christmas oh for me. Oh, my goodness. Always cook these with bacon, cream and either almonds or pine oh, nuts. Oh, yum. 
Tony's made them festive. Glenn says, as a kid, you I... You could feed them and put a Christmas tree <laughs> inside them and I still wouldn't yes. eat them. Yes. Uh, Glenn says, as a kid, I hated them, but now I reckon they are yumbo. Yay for me, Paddo. Julie says, absolutely yes, slow roast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kathleen says, so long as they are not boiled to within an inch of their <laughs> lives, like many things, Kathleen, uh, fried up with bacon, onion and garlic, they are yum. Frankie Lezapati says, 100% yay. Petrina says, it is her favourite. Favourite vegetable? Davin says yes. Steamed first, then add butter, salt and cracked pepper. Delicious. Oh, that does sound good. That sounds like what you do to a cob of corn. Yeah, it does. Caroline says yum. When they aren't stewed to within a millimetre of their lives by my mum, al dente is the way to go with these babies. Oh, hot is great and cold in a salad is gorgeous. Yeah, there's a bit of conjecture about whether cold in a salad was actually a a good idea. (laughs) Uh, Dave uh, Higgins, uh, Higgo says, get in the bin. (laughs) I'm with you. Amanda says, yummy, lots of butter and pepper. And Rob Elliott just puts a vomit emoji up. He does. And I'm with him. The results are surprising. Well, the results are overwhelming. The yes vote, here's how you get a yes vote, 70% yes. For Brussels sprouts. 70%. I would have thought it would have been 90% against. I would have thought so too because They've traditionally, been reinvented. They've yeah, been reinvented. traditionally they have been one of the most reviled vegetables in the oh. veggie world. But you're right, Kevin, in modern times, modern cooking shows, there yep. have been so many ways to, to serve them up. I think we've um, we've all changed our opinion. Yeah, boiled and steamed and all that too, too within yeah. an inch of their life is how they were served to us and then you got them and they were like little grey mm. globs of stuff and you just went, yeah, I, mem- I can remember looking at my mum going, oh, yeah, yeah. Now, I might be different. I, I haven't had them for a I long time. I know someone who follows a keto lifestyle. She uh, she rubs them, or she cuts them in half, rubs them in olive oil and puts some parmesan cheese on them. She puts them face down on a roasting tray and she roasts them and you've got this lovely wadge of, of hard parmesan on the bottom of them. They're crispy and it's like eating, I don't know, Brussels sprout chips. Can I say Brussels sprouts have become sexy? Oh, absolutely. They're sexy. I think you're spot reading, on. Reading that food poll, they've become sexy and they mm. were never, ever, ever a sexy vegetable. You'll see them strutting down the chopping board <laughs> and, and their stilettos. And on that, and on that note, when I've, <laughs> I've just mentioned the words Brussels sprout and sexy in the same sentence, <laughs> never thought that would happen. Hope you enjoyed the program. Thank you to Barry Crocker. Yes, Check you. out his book. It's called Last of the Entertainers. Till next time, eat up. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.